0: All right, boys and girls, how are you this morning? Yeah. Good. Everybody, let's have a seat. Here comes Miss Addison. I think she has the happy club bag. Can everybody see? Y'all come around here where we can see you and you're not... That's better. Don't hide behind that table. Rolling around back here. Okay. Did y'all come to Sunday school? Yes. Yeah. Great. I'm so glad and hope you enjoyed it. Before I forget, Miss Sabina, this is a fifth Sunday, isn't it? So there's no children's worship. You're going to go back and sit with your parents in big church today, Okay. Okay, you're excited about that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> All right, Miss Addison Jackson has the Happy Club bag. I know what she brought. Let's see what she brought. What, let's see. Oh. What is this, Addison? A baby doll. Is that a baby doll? Yes. What kind of doll is that? A Barbie doll. Addison, why would you bring a Barbie doll? You look kind of like this, don't you? She's got long blonde hair and very pretty. No snide comments from the choir about Barbie. Let me put her clothes on here good. (laughs) She changes clothes. Do you change your clothes often in the morning? What do you do with Barbie? dress her up and play with her and have parties and that kind of thing. So every morning when you get up, I mean, you can you decide what Barbie's going to wear. Kind of loose. And um, and do what? Baby dolls and play with them and do all those kinds of things. Boys and girls, let me, I'm, I'm talking about um, what God does for us today. When we get up in the morning, does God put on our clothes? No. Does he tell us uh, make us go someplace or say something or do something? Yeah. No. When when Barbie when Addison gets up, she does everything for Barbie and dresses her and puts her you know takes her to parties and do things with her. But God gives us freedom to do what we want to do, doesn't He? And what's the most important thing we can do that God wants us to do is to love Him. If God made us love Him like robots, it wouldn't be real love, would it? but God gives us the freedom to choose to love him. Now, Addison does everything for Barbie, dressing her and taking her places and doing things for her. But God gives us the freedom to love him, and that's what he wants us to do. So we're not like Barbie dolls or Ken's or G.I. Joes or anything like that. We are, we are created to love God, and that's what he wants us to do most of all. Let's pray and, and ask God to help us love him. Dear God, thank you for making us help us love you with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Addison, here's your Barbie doll. I know you like to play with her and and dress her up and do things for her, but God lets us choose what we're going to do, and he wants us to love him. Miss Sabina, it's a, it's a boy's turn, isn't it? Yes, Carson Barnes. Where's Carson? Carson, will you take the bag home and bring back something special next week, please? And boys and girls, you can go back and sit with your parents since this is a fifth Sunday.
1: To come some trouble to your life. That ain't nothing to be afraid of. It's bound to come some trouble to your life. That ain't no reason to fear. I know there's bound to come some trouble to your life. Reach out to Jesus. Hold on tight. He's been there before and he knows what it's like Find he's there There's bound to come some tears up in your eyes That ain't nothing to be ashamed of There's bound to come some tears up in your eyes there ain't no reason to fear I know there's bound to come some tears up in your eyes Reach out to Jesus, hold on tight He's been there before and he knows what it's like Find he's there now people say maybe things will get better And people say maybe it won't be long And people say maybe we'll wake up tomorrow And love will be gone Well I know that maybe it's just ain't enough When you need something to hold There's only one thing that's clear There's bound to come some trouble to your life That ain't nothing to be ashamed of I know there's bound to come some tears up in your eyes That ain't no reason to fear I know there's bound to come some trouble to your life, reach out to Jesus, hold on tight, he's been there before and he knows what it's like, find he's there.
0: Thank you, Mark. We do have troubles in our life sometimes, but we can rejoice because we know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the King of our lives. Would you join us, please, as we sing Rejoice, the Lord is King, hymn number 197, our offertory hymn. Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you for bringing us all here today, Lord. And Lord, just as we give of our tithes and offerings right now, Lord, may you just bless the giver and may you multiply them to glorify your name in all that we do. Amen. Thank you, choir. We're in a sermon series on theology, and I hope it has been a way that you can understand it and not be intimidated by big words. We've tried to defuse some of those. We've talked about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've talked about revelation and creation. This morning, I want to talk about a little more uh, controversial topic called sin, now, I don't know if uh, word got out that I was preaching on sin this morning and some folks chose to stay home. You might want to look around and take note of those who are missing <laughs> and tell them what the sermon was about sometime this week. Romans 3, 21 through 26. The sermon is entitled, When We Talk About Sin, the conclusion is, let's be honest. Let's just talk about it, lay it out there, because uh, we're all sinners and we're saved by grace. There's no need for pretense or pride today. Romans 3.21 says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as an expiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies him who has faith in Jesus. This is, this is what is the most important point here. He justifies those of us who have faith In Jesus, I heard someone say one time that justified means just as if I'd never sinned. And that's what he does for us by faith in Jesus. Let's pray. God, help us be real before you today to drop all pretense and facade, to be exposed To your penetrating light, to see ourselves for who you see us as, and to respond by faith, knowing that in faith we're made righteous in Jesus. That's our only hope, that's the only possible solution to the problem called sin. We need your help we thank you for providing it in Jesus name. Amen. <clears throat> Have you ever done or said something that you knew was just downright mean? And then afterwards said to yourself with regret, "I don't know where that came from. That's not me. Where did that anger come from?" It's almost as if there's a real struggle, a conflict going on within us. One that wants to do what's right and and the other wanting to say something ugly or small or mean or evil. And, And that war is going on between us and you're not alone. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said as he struggled with this same sin in his life. In Romans 7, and I'm reading from the Phillips translation because it's so easily understandable. Paul writes, my own behavior baffles me. I often find that I have the will to do good, but not the power. That is, I don't accomplish the good that I set out to do, and the evil I don't really want to do, I find myself always doing. In my mind, I'm God's willing servant, but in my nature, I am bound fast to the law of sin and death. It is an agonizing situation, Paul writes. Well, why do we have this... Conflict, this tension between good and evil going on within us, where does it come from? The answer goes all the way back to Genesis in the creation, because there in the first chapter, verses 26 and 27, we find our dilemma. Chapter 1. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Listen to this, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So far, so good. We have a tremendous beginning, each one of us, because we learn right here in Genesis 1.27, we are all created in the image of God. Every one of us, everybody we know, all the peoples of the earth have the image of God stamped upon their heart. That's the upside of the story. Now the downside is this, being created in the image of God also means having the freedom make choices. That's what I was trying to get at with Barbie. Barbie has no choices. You dress her. You take her to parties. You do what you want to with her. But you and I are created in the image of God and we have the freedom to choose what we want to do. There's an outline in your worship bulletin this morning and the first point is it is a perfect creation. From the very opening pages of Genesis to the close of the biblical record we are given by the deity the right to choose how we will live how we will act what our priorities will be and how we will treat one another In Genesis Adam and Eve were told they could eat anything except the tree of the knowledge the, the tree of knowledge but they had a choice Will they or won't they? Why didn't God just build a wall around the tree? As a matter of fact, why doesn't He just build a wall around all those things that we are not supposed to do? The reason is is because He's made us in His image. And that means we have the freedom to choose what we will do for ourselves. And we have examples of choices all the way through the Bible. Do you remember... When the children of Israel had conquered the promised land and they were getting ready to march in and occupy it, Joshua gathered them all together and said, in chapter 24, verse 15 of Joshua, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And then he goes on to say, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You go all the way to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, and we have this picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking, at the door of our heart, knocking, 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 waiting for a response from inside. Are we going to open the door and let Jesus come into our heart, or are we not? We have a choice. We can Choose whom we will serve or not. We can choose whether we will open the door and let Jesus come in or not. We have that choice. But before I go on, let me make one thing real clear here about Adam and Eve. They sinned before God and were cast out of the Garden of Eden. But let me get this straight. You and I are not punished for the sin of Adam and Eve. We are punished for the sins that we commit. I heard someone ask me one time, why am I punished for what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden? Well, let me assure you, you are not punished for their sin. You're punished by, for your own sin. By Adam's sin, there's been placed within us a, a propensity, a tendency, a bent towards sin. But we still always have a choice not to. Every time you and I freely choose to sin, we could have also freely chosen not to sin. So don't blame Adam and, or Eve or anyone else for the sins that you have freely chosen to commit. Sin is always a choice. There's a story about a young lady who was a track star. And what's unusual about her was not the fact that she could run fast, which she could. What was surprising about her was that she was blind. Now, how does a blind person even participate in a sport like track, much less win. The explanation lies in the fact that she wears a tiny radio receiver in her ear. And her coach is in the sidelines, and he is radioing instructions to her, saying things like, move a little to the left, there's someone coming up on your right, you're approaching a curve. He is constantly giving her instructions, and as long as she's listening to those instructions, And obeying them, she is fine because of his constant guidance and her compliance to those instructions. Not only does she compete, but she wins. And in a way, we're like that. We are running a race. And so often, we're blind to what lies ahead. We don't have any idea what is around the next curve. We don't always know what the right thing to do is. But God is radioing us instructions. But there's a catch. Just like the girl on the track. She can ignore the coach's instructions and run into trouble if she wants to. And we can ignore God's guidance and run into trouble too. But you see, we began on a good note. We are made perfectly in God's image. That means we are given sovereignty over the earth. Everything that is on the earth, God placed here for our enjoyment and our benefit. It's kind of like parents who are getting ready to take a child home from the hospital, a newborn baby. Do you remember what that was like? How exciting. You fixed up the nursery. We we painted it. you got all the stuffed animals. you got the crib, the rocking chair. Everything is made perfect for that baby to come home from the hospital. God did the same thing for us here on earth. He placed us in it to enjoy it, and he gave us everything we needed to do so. That's how God relates to us. He has not abandoned us here to wonder how to live our lives. But he's also given us freedom because he has his image stamped upon us. We have choices to make, and, and in those choices, we have distorted what we were intended to be. And frankly, we've made a mess out of how we were supposed to live. But God gave us a good start. But that brings me to point to the imperfect reception. And you know what it's called. It's called sin. Romans 3.23 says this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. The word for sin in the Greek is hamartia. It means to miss the mark, and it's used of the archer who has a bow and arrow, and there's a bullseye. It's a little tiny bullseye, and if he, if he misses the bullseye, it's hamartia. It's a sin, and it doesn't matter if he misses the bullseye by just a little bit, a little white lie, it doesn't, or, or if it's, he misses the target completely, and it's something like murder. It's If you miss the bullseye, it's all sin in God's eyes. It's all hamartia, and sin is sin. And it's not just a problem for a few. It's a problem for everybody. It doesn't matter how old you are or how educated you are or what church you go to or how much money you have. Sin is a universal problem. It isn't just a matter of us against them. It's a matter of everybody. When Catherine was little, um, one day, Susan will recall we were driving back from a nearby town to our home, and Catherine, I don't know, one, two years old, sitting in a in a baby seat in the back, decided to get a little sassy. And I told her if she if she did that again, I'd pull over. And she didn't believe me. And I did. I pulled over. It was busy busy two road. I mean, two lanes on each side, a busy highway. But I pulled over and got her out of the car. Oh, Daddy! Please don't! Please don't! I'm sorry. I won't do it again. I will We had an attitude adjustment. You know what we did? It was important to do that at that point in her life. She was quiet the rest of the way home, but when we got home, she wanted to talk about it. She said she wanted to know if I had had attitude adjustments when I was little, and I said yes, and she wanted to know for what and, and how often. She wanted to know if mama had attitude adjustments when she was little. I said, yes, but not enough. (laughs) She wanted to know for what and how often. And when she learned that both of us had been disciplined as children, it was like a light turned on in her head and she let out a sigh of relief. So we all are disciplined. You see, even a a child can grasp how widespread sin is. After all, they see it every day too. And it doesn't just come from making the wrong choices, choosing God, choosing self over God or neighbor. Jesus did not give us a complex code to have to follow. He didn't say do this, 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 and this. He said just do two things. Love God and love your neighbor. And sin in some way is contrary to those two great commands. Love God, love your neighbor. That's all you have to do. Luke 15 kind of gives us a metaphor of different kinds of lostness. Luke 15 is is a chapter that has three parables in it. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, in the parable of the lost son, we call the prodigal son. In the first parable, there are a hundred sheep, and one of them strays, and ninety-nine are in the fold, but one has wandered off inadvertently and got into trouble. He, He didn't mean to separate from the flock, but he had just gone in search of a little extra green grass to nibble, and a little bit by little bit, he got away from the rest of the fold until he was lost. And some of us are like that lost sheep. We never intended to, to nibble ourselves out of the center of God's will. We thought we were harmlessly doing something that no one would really notice or, or it wouldn't really matter. And, and just, just one more time, just, just a little further, we're not really hurting anybody. And before you know it, we're lost and in trouble, just like that lost sheep. The second parable is about a woman who loses one of her ten coins and she turns her house upside down until she finds it. How close to home this one hits us. You don't have to go across town to see sin. It's right here in our own backyard. It's it's within the closed doors of our own home. It's with children who don't honor their parents. It's in spouses who don't love and respect each other and aren't faithful to each other. It's in parents who fail to teach their children by example what the proper values and morals ought to be in their lives. The third parable Jesus tells in this chapter is a famous story about the prodigal son who comes to his father and demands his inheritance and then manages to go off into a far country and lose it all. He squanders his wealth, he dissipates himself in riotous living and ends up in a pig pen. That's the far country of sin. It's a metaphor for the worst of our sins. Humanity at its ugliest. Life at the bottom of the rung. Do you see what happened? We started off being created in the image of God. We end up distorting that image by either wandering away a little at a time or hurting those we love the most in the home or even worse, wallowing with pigs. Pigs. We've lost more than our innocence. We have lost ourselves. One last word on this fact that all of us are caught up in sin. I've run into some people who believe in sinless perfection. I had one gentleman, it was a preacher of another denomination, tell me that he believed that once he was saved, he no longer sinned. And it really caught me off guard. I said, really? What about the sin of pride? And that ended the conversation. The point is, I want you to hear that all of us have sinned. And it is as true today as it was the day it was written 2,000 years ago by Paul, who knew firsthand the struggle that was going on within his soul. There was a perfect creation in the image of God. He gave us freedom. To choose what to do. It was an imperfect reception because we have squandered that creation by our sin. So finally we can ask, what can be done about it? And the answer is that God has already done something about it and the solution is ours for the taking. Paul writes this wonderful verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see what happened? There was a transaction that occurred on the cross. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, become sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see how we've come full circle. We began with the image of God stamped upon our hearts. Sin distorted that image and in some cases all but covered it up. But we can end up coming back full circle again to the righteousness that God originally intended for us. Becoming the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Like the prodigal son, we can come back home to the person we really are because God provided a way. And the way is both simple and profound. The problem is sin. The solution is Jesus and his death on the cross paid the penalty for our sins. During World War II, an American paratrooper was dropped behind enemy lines in rural France. And and you've probably seen the stories about uh, D-Day and the invasion of Normandy and the paratroopers who who were dropped and, and how the The planes that dropped them had their navigation messed up, and it was foggy, and they ended up dropping them all over the place. Well, this one paratrooper ended up in a field that only had one farmhouse in sight, and he made his way quickly to the farmhouse where an elderly French couple took him in and provided safe haven. Unfortunately, two Germans were also in the area, and they saw the parachute come down, and they knew there was only one farmhouse in that area where that paratrooper could have hidden. So they searched the house and they found him, but instead of executing him first, they took the old farmer outside and shot him for collaborating with the enemy. Well, in the confusion, the American paratrooper fled into the nearby woods, and when the two Germans decided to go for help to track him down, that paratrooper circled back to the little farmhouse where that French widow was still grieving and she took him in again. He told her that the Germans would never look for him a second time in the farmhouse. So that's where he hid. And sure enough, the Germans searched for days in the nearby woods, but they never found the paratrooper because they never thought to check that farmhouse once more. And the point is this, sometimes the thing we are searching for is where we'd least expect it and closer than we ever thought. Who would have ever thought to look to a small hill outside Jerusalem to find God's miraculous way of forgiving us of our sins? But there it is for all to see and believe and accept There it is for all those whose sin is is unintentional and just kind of wandered away one little nibble at a time. There it is for all the broken homes and broken relationships. There it is for all those sins committed in a far country where we acted more like animals than human beings created in God's image. So, whatever you may be dealing with today that needs to be resolved, whatever accounts you need to settle. Whatever wrongs need to be made right, get on with it. Come to the cross where God has made provision for the problem called sin and says to you, Your sins are forgiven. Welcome home. Shall we pray? Father, as I look out across this congregation this morning, and even more so perhaps by television, I realize that there are folks of all stripes among us. Folks who have wandered off just a little at a time. Like the lost sheep. Folks who do have a broken home, or broken relationship in the home. Like the lost coin. And then there's some of us like the prodigal son who have just Gone off to a far country and lived apart from everything you desired for us, creating us in your image so perfectly. Father, sin has entered our lives. And we are here to acknowledge that all of us have sinned. All are lost. But you have provided a solution on a small hill outside Jerusalem called Calvary. For there Jesus died in place of of us and took upon himself our sin so that we might be made clean and righteous in your sight once again. We can't understand or fathom all that that means. But we are here to acknowledge our desperate need, our faith in you, and our belief that in Jesus we are made whole, created in your image as we should be. Speak to all of us who need to come to a decision today because now is the time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to sing an invitational hymn this morning. Number 406, The Solid Rock, and I'll be at the front to receive you if you have a decision to make public. You you come forward, professing your faith, saying, yes, I need Jesus atoning death on the cross for me. Rededicating your life, joining this church. Maybe you've been visiting for a while and you feel God's leadership to make this your church family we would welcome you warmly. You come, we're gonna stand and sing